The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and in fact, all small businesses, and we're heard right around the world, same time every week. And I want to thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. Now, each week, we usually include a segment called Bob's Thought for the Day, quotes that really get us to think. But today, I thought we'd do something just a little bit different and discuss some internet trends that you just might find interesting. Firstly, more than 500 million photos are uploaded and shared every single day. And about 300 million of those are uploaded on Facebook. That's extraordinary. Every two days, one billion That's 1,000 million photos are uploaded. Now, I've also said over and over again on this program, after, after listening to a number of internet crime experts, you've got to be extremely careful about what you disclose and upload onto social networks. Today, in the United States alone, one person in 20 will be the victim of cybercrime. And this number's rising dramatically. Why? Because a bunch of idiots continue to put all of their information in various forms on the web, predominantly on social media sites. Now, if, if I happen to know your name, your birth date, your parents' names, your address, your children's names, your pets' names, your relatives' names, and I know what you look like and I've got your photos, I can see what you've got in your house, I can work out almost everything about you. You also tell me when you go out. You tell me where you go. You have to be a sitting duck. So if you're out there putting everything you've got on the internet for the world to see, Why don't you just leave your front door open and leave your keys in the car with a sign saying, everybody, help yourself, because that's what you're doing. Another statistic that's remarkable, I think, anyway, there are over 100 hours of video uploaded 
onto YouTube every minute of every day. That means there are 20 years of video uploaded onto YouTube every single day. <laughs> Blimey. Thirdly, in China this year, mobile internet access surpassed PC internet access for the first time. And in the first three months of 2013, China added more mobile subscriptions than the entire Western Hemisphere and Western Europe combined. And here's an interesting fact for those marketers out there that are listening to the show. Smartphone owners with a tablet spend three times as much money on apps as those who don't own a tablet. And it's very interesting that 53% of smartphone owners have never bought even a single app. Wow. Now, there can be no argument. Mobile will rule the commercial world very soon. It's already got 45% of all Groupon tran transactions. Try that again. Are conducted on mobile devices. I've got another question for you. Who the hell is working in this country? Smartphone users check their phones a minimum of about 200 times a day and Facebook users check their mobile phones 194 times a day. 194 times a day checking your phone. Who the hell is working? <laughs> Somebody has to be. Now, the digital and social media revolution, it's certainly here to stay. So why is it that so many corporations are so very slow to utilise this extraordinary marketing application? Traditional media still dominates the landscape, despite the fact that it's infinitely more expensive. It's monologue at a time when consumers want dialogue is more difficult to measure, is not immediate, and in fact falls short in almost every requirement of consumer interaction and communication. One of the reasons for this is that despite the fact that marketing and sales are the factors that drive business, marketers still comprise less than 12% of the members of company boards. In the main, companies are by boring financial people. People who are not only conservative, but they're dream takers. Jobs wasn't a financial person. Musk isn't a financial person. Zuckerberg isn't a financial person. But these are the people that are creating new industries and new high-paying jobs. The reason for this is because marketers don't deserve to be on company boards. Research I've seen says that the majority of companies estimate that less than 25% of their marketing produces an acceptable result. And the number of companies that measure ROI on every element of every campaign is close enough to zero. That is bloody pathetic. The performance of most marketers in the majority of companies today is appalling. 
there's been a lot of research that's shown that up to 95% of all marketing and advertising does not work. Yet marketers continue to do the same thing over and over again. Would you go to a brain surgeon that got 95% of what they do wrong? Of course you wouldn't. But marketers do. They keep going back and doing the same stuff again. It's stupid. The digital and social media revolution is certainly here to stay. And I don't know why marketers don't seem to be able to get it. Traditional media is still the majority of marketing. You know, marketers continue to do the same thing over and over again. But, you know, the financial geniuses that run corporations and occupy over 80% of board seats, they don't get off scot-free either. They've continued to pay billions of dollars for marketing that they knew was not working and giving these billions of dollars to hopelessly inept marketers who they know are totally unaccountable. So is it surprising that we're struggling along at a growth rate of about 2.5% while China, India, Brazil are growing at about 8% and those well-known bastions of commercial enterprise, Indonesia, Vietnam, Egypt, Colombia, they're all growing at 5 to 8% as well. But here, the engine of the world, we managed to grow at 2.5. We need to lift our game. And if you look at the majority of marketers' performance over the past 10 years, it's been woeful. According to Harvard Business School, 45 out of 51 categories of business are commoditized. Now, that means that the customer can't distinguish between the various competitors except on price. Now, that's got to be an absolute recipe for disaster. And it's totally, totally the fault of the marketer. And as I've said before, marketing people are only one of are only on 12% of boards. And anybody worth paying an annual salary to understands that long-term success, brand building, and developing loyal customers requires long-term planning. Long-term planning. And yet marketers are forced by financial people into three-month performance cycles to suit the stock market. Even more degrading for marketers is being forced to go cap in hand for your marketing budgets from financial people who, in the main, do not have a clue what marketing is. Far less why you'd want to implement a particular strategy at a particular time. You know, most marketing is seen by the financial people I know as, at best, a non-exact science, and at worst, just plain mumbo-jumbo, throw money at traditional media and maybe you'll sell something. Now, I believe there are four reasons for the reputation of marketers going down the toilet. Firstly, most marketers don't take responsibility for all of the real elements within the marketing portfolio. 
I don't even know what marketing is. Marketing is every action taken by the company or anyone who works for the company or anyone who works for any other business or agency that represents the company that in any way whatsoever touches a client or a potential client. Now, this includes not only advertising, PR, direct marketing, online, and other traditional marketing, but also when a customer walks into a reception, when they phone the company, when they apply for credit, when they receive a delivery, or maybe even a service call, when they attend a company-sponsored event, and much, much more. That is all marketing. But do marketers measure the ROI of all of these different activities? No. Do they take responsibility for all of those activities? No. (laughs) Even worse in my experience, very few marketers have even determined what all these customer touch points are. And you'd be surprised how many of them. You know, I've been involved with with, um, assisting companies to improve their customer service for donkey's years. And when you look at the touch points, you can have a dozen or more touch points between the customer and the company, and every one of those is a marketing opportunity. The second reason that I think marketers have lost their reputation is because most of them don't talk the language of business. The business world talks about investment, ROI, yields, all terms that have quantifiable values. So what do marketers talk about? Reach, frequency, CPM, hits, all absolute crap that means nothing. The true measure of a marketer is how much stuff you're selling at what price and what return on investment you're making. That's how to judge a marketer. The third reason that marketers are failing is because they've got a reluctance to measure every element of marketing within the company, despite the fact that with today's technology, this can be easy. Many marketers and advertisers still believe that the rating of a television program or the sales of a newspaper is an accurate measure of the marketing performance. The fact that during most television commercial breaks, the number of people that watch that third ad is about 10% of those watching the program. So you pay for the audience that's watching the program, 10 million, and yet only a million are watching the ad and you think you've done a wonderful job. It's rubbish. The fourth reason I believe that marketers are failing is that research clearly shows that the majority of marketing and advertising today does not work. So, marketers are not sitting on boards because they don't get respect. They don't get respect because they haven't earned it. Too many marketers are not across new technology. And I, you know, I'm the first one to appreciate the technology is changing extremely rapidly. And even experts have trouble keeping up. And it's my view that the marketing students coming through college now 
are going to own the marketing space within the next short, few short years. All of the old fogies, all you old farts that are marketing directors of companies and have been for donkey's years and are not changing with the times, you will be out. And a new, hot, creative, entrepreneurial college grad marketer will be in your job. They understand the changing paradigm. They understand that marketers' involvement with the potential customer needs to be challenging, interactive, and multi-channeled. They appreciate that marketers must be able to measure performance immediately. They appreciate that monologue no longer flies. They appreciate the ability of new media to completely understand and relate to the client. They understand the ability of social media and blogs to either enhance or damage the customer's image, company's image almost in a heartbeat. If you do something great, within 10 minutes, 5,000 people know about it. If you screw something up, within five minutes, 10 million people can hear about it. Today, the future of marketing is digital and social. Unfortunately, too many marketers just don't get it. Now, don't forget that this program is all about you, the entrepreneur or the small business person that's listening to the show, looking for tips on how to be more successful. That's what we're here for. This whole show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you have a question, please don't hesitate to email me. Look, start again. If you have a question, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it for you on air or we'll email you directly. Now, you're listening to the number one radio show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. In our interview segment, we spoke with entrepreneur Christopher Cooper about his sourcing of product from China and the issues that he ran into. Now, a substantial number of entrepreneurs in countries throughout the world who listen to this program all face the same issues. But also, just the last few days in Rancho Mirage, California, President Obama and China's President Xi Jinping held a summit in which they discussed a wide range of issues designed to foster closer cooperation between the two superpowers in trade, cybersecurity, patents, and a host of other things. So with all this focus on China, we thought it appropriate this week in our interview segment to speak with Lindy Chen of China Direct Sourcing, who is one of the world's foremost experts when it comes to getting products developed and manufactured in China. I believe this interview is very valuable for anybody that's either currently dealing with China or looking forward to dealing with China and that everybody in all of the countries in the world that we go out to, which is well over 100, needs this information on China. Now, this is Bob Pritchard and I'll be back with you in just a moment.
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the show that's all about assisting small businesses and entrepreneurs who are just starting up to be more successful so they can avoid the mistakes and the pitfalls that others have made before them. And this is a place where they can come for advice and get contacts with people when they need expertise. Now, there's no question that the next century is a century of China. U.S. imports from China in 2011 were $400 billion, and that's a 30% increase from two years ago. For our listeners who may want to manufacture in China or import goods from China, I thought I would talk to one of the experts in doing business with China so that you could get the expertise directly from her mouth. Now, I've known Lindy Chen for a number of years, probably more than either she or I would like to admit, and she's an absolute authority on doing business with China. Lindy is the Managing Director of China Direct Sourcing Services and author of the book Import from China, How to Make a Million and Not Get Burnt. She's the winner of multiple business awards and she's on her way to growing China Direct into, the, into one of the world's leading sourcing firms. Lindy, great to speak to you again. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Good morning, everyone. I'm very excited. How are you? I am terrific. Really good. Um, looking at your photographs on, uh, on Google, you look exactly the same as you did when I saw you last. You look younger. It must be the Chinese genes. Um, yes, yes. Over the past 10 years, China's improved dramatically in the quality of their goods and, and their reliability. However, we still do hear the odd horror story about manufacturing and importing from China. Where does this um, fault lie? Does it lie with the Chinese or with the company that's doing the importing? Well, basically, 
you eat like anything, you know, when you, um, say, for instance, in America, you have a good supplier, you have a shanky supplier. And in China, and no doubt it's the same. You have good supplier, you have bad supplier. And when you hear those horror stories, and also, say, for instance, you go to a very big department store in America, in, in like Australia, like Maya, David Jones, and Target, and all of those with high-quality products, you open the tag, it's all made in China. So you wonder, you know, whether which one is the truth. However, I can share with you all of them are the truth because they are good supplier out there, they are shanty supplier. It's really up to the people who really choose to do business like with Chinese supplier and make the decisions by system and select the right supplier. Yeah, yeah. That, it's like everything, isn't it? You can go to you can go to a dry cleaner down the road, and they do a lousy job. And you go to the one next door, and they're terrific. I understand that. Yeah, perfectly. yeah, exactly like that. I often hear people to tell me, you know, and complain and tell me, you know, certain things when the back and when they're dealing with the supplier. And the, what I find, you know, works wonder is really to have a system. Yeah. Now, importing from China is no longer a resource just enjoyed by big companies, is it? I, I know quite a few small companies that have their manufacturing done in China and very successfully. Is that segment the fastest growing segment or is it still the big guys? Well, I see um, the like recent years and because of, you know, opening and China opening and also the, the, the fast growth of the world economy, um, importing from China can be a great vehicle for small and medium-sized business and to, to, to take on. You know, China is like a fast train. If you don't take it, it will continue going, regardless whether you did on the train or not. That's right. And it will continue going. Yes. And importing from China is a such a great way to like reduce cost and be cost-effective supply chain solution. And not only that, before only the small like large business have the resources and uh, you know human being and like a uh, capital to uh, capture that opportunity. However, now small and medium-sized business have the direct access of Chinese factory to realize that benefit. And if you don't do it, your competition down the road's going to and have a distinct price advantage, probably. Exactly, exactly. And nowadays, not only just that, but also um, the, the competition is a global competition now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, mm. why does somebody need to use a specialist like, like you guys, like China Direct, to work with? Why not just use a trading company or a procurement service provider that you find on the internet? Well, what I can see is a couple of uh, um, factors you need to really consider. When you choose a particular um, company to work with, and you really need to see where they, whether um, they had, uh, you know, uh, the link between China and Australia, like you know your uh, your like services with you, and not only that, but also uh, say things and how they operate. And some of the uh, agency or you know procurement service you find on internet, 
you have no idea whether they really linked with the supply or not, and whether their methodology to do the sourcing and importing is backed up by the results or not. And the one thing I can share is that China Direct Sourcing is a very systematic way of stealing things. And we have been importing, uh, like assisting our clients over uh, six years and over 500 uh, different projects. We have very high successful rates. And not only that, we are very transparent and independent. And we basically share all the information about supplier to our client. There is nothing hidden. And not only that, we are not tied to any supplier. We don't take any commission from our supplier. Therefore, it's guaranteed we only uh, held your best interest in our heart. So if, if somebody deals with, that, with China Direct, then do you charge a fee or do you charge a commission? I, I appreciate that um, um, you, got to, you have to get paid some way. So how, how does your payment work? So we turn your fee like upfront. We uh, explain the scope of work, and before our client engage us, we need to, to we need to see two things. One is we will do a feasibility study, and to see whether um, we can add value to their project and whether their project is feasible to go to China or not. Sometimes when a project is too small, we tell them straight, we say, you know, don't use us because we can't see value. And uh, if the project is too, too small, sometimes, you know, the freight and the international, uh, like, import duty and customs and all of those can outweigh the benefit of importing. So, therefore, before you start thinking, you really need to do the evaluation, do a feasibility study. And the number two, when we undertake particular projects, we understand, like, you know, we will see that analysis their current situation and recommend a strategy and to, for them to go to China. For each different size and each different vision the, the, like the client has, the strategy to go find the right supply is different. And therefore, we sit down and we recommend the strategy. And it depends on what strategy the client chooses and the scope of work, complexity of the project. Then we advise, you know, what the service fee on us will be. And then we implemented the whole thing. So it's very uh, thorough, uh, like a strategy recommendation implementation. We hold our client hand to go through the whole process. But also we have the flexibility to allow our clients to choose and pick whatever the service they want. Right. Okay. Well, that's, that sounds very thorough and it sounds very transparent. And um, um, a, somebody who deals with you um, can't really lose on that basis. So how important is culture in doing business with China? Sometimes that knowing and not knowing can play an important role when you're dealing with Chinese supplier. Put in this way, a Chinese supplier, they, um, especially like negotiation, and the culture play a very important role on you know, knowing and understanding that uh, the philosophy behind it. And say, for instance, a Chinese supplier, they love the face, and you know, they in the negotiation stage, you really need to prepare and understanding what that face means. And yes. also knowing the supplier, say, for instance, you know, negotiation with Chinese supplier is like playing chess. You really need to know three steps ahead, and before you can really, you know, 
place one's uh, chest on top of that. Yeah. So therefore, you know, without knowing the culture, without knowing uh, the game rule, and quite often you find yourself worse stuck. Right. Okay. So, so one point that I hear a lot is... Um, how do you actually exercise any quality control when you're manufacturing in China? Let's say you're sitting in Los Angeles, the higher you, you set up the manufacturer in China. How does any control get exercised over that manufacturer? That's a great question, Bob. And when the product arrives in Los Angeles and you find there is a quality issue, it's already too late. Yes. And actually, you know, the quality procedure and the quality control really starts from stage one, which is research and tender, and find the right supplier who is matching to your needs and to work with you. So, in wealth, like, you know, in our process and the stage one we have is research and tender. Say, for instance, if we undertake any particular given project and uh, any given particular product, we go to China, we locate, like we probably will contact more than 30 suppliers in that category. And then we will, you know, there may be like, say, a 10 or 12 supplier expressed interest, and there are six or five suppliers who may quote the project. And then we narrow down and we go through the suppliers, like their background, their details, and, you know, their capability, and their quality control system. And all of that and then come back and have a short list of, you know, two or three suppliers. So in the stage one, you already did the first filtering. And we then come to stage 2A, which is sampling process. And that's a great way you test the supplier, whether it's in line with your like project and whether they are patient, whether they are really detailed, pay attention to details, and whether they have applied their quality control system into making your sampling. And not only that, come, when you finish the sampling stage, you come to the um, like uh, purchase order negotiation. And in, when you purchase order negotiation, you will go through all the important quality control procedure and the quality control uh, issue, the product inspection. And with all of those details implemented into purchase order negotiation, it's a great test to see whether the supplier coming to the party. Once that's done, then the stage three is production and the delivery management. And you start to monitor like, the, how the supplier really manufacture your particular product, and you have an inspection, which is a pre-shipment inspection, before the product like, leaves the port in China. And then, you know, I would say if you implement this system into your practice, the quality control risk will be dramatically minimized. Okay, final question, and probably the most difficult one to answer, I guess. What tactics can I use to reduce the risk of intellectual property rights infringement in China? Well, in that way, it, there are a couple of things that I think, you know, you can really take into consideration. Number one, the Chinese supplier, they are really, um, the, the, most of the time, they're only trying to copy your product because there is external demand. And I think, you know, the cheapest way to protect yourself, I think, is to really protect your IP in your target market. Yes. If you protect your particular product in your target market, and the majority of the risk has been taken care of. 
And not only that, and also you need to have, like, implementing such as, uh, you know, have a whole IP strategy, such as when you negotiate, uh, like, at the beginning, you have a non-disclosure agreement. Yes. And uh, then you also have, like, uh, say, when you have purchase order negotiation, you have a restriction on what information they can reveal to other people. And not only that, you have a system to check on your supply from time to time on their website. So those little things doesn't cost a lot of money, but easy to implement and to make sure your IT is well protected. Terrific. Lindy, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I hope we can catch up soon, sooner than uh, this last gap. Now, there's a lady who really knows her stuff. And if you'd like to learn more about Lindy Chen, go to www.chinadirectsourcing.com.au. I can personally vouch for their expertise and their integrity. I've known her for a long time. And I will be back in just a moment with some more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the show for entrepreneurs. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, No Bullshit Business Show. This is where we tell it to you straight, just the way it is. And we're coming to you this week again from my hometown of Los Angeles, which where, as usual, the weather is absolutely beautiful. Last week, I went down to Phoenix to the American Advertising Federation Annual Conference, a prominent part of which was the final of the National Student Advertising Competition, which was sponsored by Glidden Paints. Of the hundreds and hundreds of colleges that went through regional competitions, the final 18 regional winners competed for the title of Best in America. Of course, I was rooting for George Washington University, 
where my son Hunter was one of the presenters. However, unfortunately, it was not meant to be. They came in at number five, which when you consider all of the universities that competed, that was a pretty good effort. I could say we were robbed, but I'd probably start a firestorm, and of course, I don't want to do that. But an amazing amount of research and strategy and creation goes into these campaigns. It's unbelievable how much work each college puts into the presentation, and it takes a team of really dedicated students months and months, often up to 20 hours a day, to prepare for this competition. I've got the um, George Washington University booklet that they prepared in front of me, and it's about 20 pages of really great detail on going from research, insights, target markets, the consumer journey, creatives, creative testing, the media objectives, the schedule and the budget, the accountability, the return on investment, why they should use capital advertising, which is the name for the club at um, for the class at um, George Washington, and I salute all of the students at all of the colleges that participated. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to have Jamie Wren Clark, who was one of the presenters for George Washington on the show, just to talk about what it is that goes into making these presentations just so professional. So the big winner this year was the University of Miami, who won the award for the best use of research and also the major award for the best campaign. So congratulations to the team from the University of Miami and to, as I said, all of the students that participated. George Washington University, as I said, came in fifth. Very proud of that. And uh, looking forward to next year where we take away the big one. But one of the really important things that I took away was the very strong focus by all of the teams on digital and social media. It really was fantastic. But George Washington University didn't go away empty-handed. The Professor of Marketing and Advertising, the wonderful Linda Maddox, received the 2013 Distinguished Advertising Educator Award. Well done, Professor Maddox. You are a gem. And I look forward to having Professor Maddox on the show in the next few weeks as well. I also went to the uh, Voice America studios and uh, I discovered a few things about myself and my program. Um, my wonderful general manager decided that my photographs were too boring and that I needed to update them. So I'm in the process of doing that. <laughs> but I also discovered that the top three markets for the Bob Pritchard Radio Show in the United States are California, Texas, Louisiana, followed by Arizona and Nevada. So that's interesting. California, Texas, Louisiana, Arizona and Nevada. And for listeners in those states, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Now go out, tell all your friends, get them to tune in next week. This is one program where we tell it exactly the way it is. Phone up, abuse me, do whatever you like. 
we're open to all comers. And as you know, this program's also heard all around the world. And uh, the top markets internationally where we have the most listeners are Germany, United Kingdom, Vietnam, Russia, China, and Australia. And we also have listeners in dozens and dozens of other countries. So thank you for all our listeners, wherever in the world you are. I really appreciate your support, and I look forward to having a chat with you or answering your emails in the near future. Now, this is the segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners all around the world. And it's incredible that despite the different cultures, no matter where you go, I've got a presentation in Los Angeles next week, and I will bet in question time I get asked exactly the same questions that I got asked in Iran not that long ago. I did a uh, 10-city tour of Iran, which was fabulous, I've got to tell you. Um, nothing like I expected Iran to be. And um, I'll guarantee you I get the same questions. So the answers that I give in this segment are relevant to all small businesses everywhere in the world, no matter where you are. Now, last week, we received an email from Abigail Hudson of Irving in Texas, and she asked me about the importance of emotion in communicating and advertising and marketing. I explained to her that research clearly shows that all decisions that we make, irrespective of what they are, are initially made emotionally in our subconscious mind, and then we justify them pragmatically. This has been a known fact for a decade or more, and yet seems to be either unknown or misunderstood by most people, despite the fact that it applies in every element of our life. doesn't matter what you're doing. doesn't matter whether you're advertising or whether you're making a pitch for investment or whether you're trying to find a casket for a mother-in-law that you despised. The decision is still emotional. So it's important, no matter what business you're in, and I'm going to talk about this again in a couple of weeks, and it's a great topic, and in fact, I'm talking about it next week at the City Club in Los Angeles. So if you're in Los Angeles and uh, you want to go to a good presentation, I'm at the City Club in downtown LA on Bunker Hill. Now, this week's first email comes from Yvonne Drexler from Henderson in Nevada. Yvonne says, Bob, thanks for your tips every week on how to be more successful. They are a great help to small businesses and one of the few sources of information that are available to us. Most of the major magazines and books seem to be targeted to the larger companies. You know, that's true. It's really true that small business employs 80% of the, the people employed in America. It generates the jobs. It generates the revenue. And yet most of the books and most of the magazines all talk to that top few percent. I mean, you know, I have nothing against Jack Welsh. He was brilliant and it's a great book. But most of the stuff in Jack Welsh's book is not going to help a small business really. 
small businesses, you know, graft from the seat of your pants and find a way to pay, you know, to keep it going. I mean, it's a whole different ballgame. Now, almost, Yvonne goes on to say, almost every week you talk about the need to differentiate your business from all your competitors. Between Henderson and the surrounding areas, there are probably a dozen people selling exactly what we sell, and it seems to be extremely difficult to create a point of difference. What suggestions can you give? Well, Yvonne, wow, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate your comments, and I love the fact that you're enjoying it. Make sure next time you go to the Chamber of Commerce, you tell everybody to listen. That would be a help. But Yvonne, you're not alone. It seems that no matter what is being marketed, the majority of competitors have virtually interchangeable messages and offers. They are all the same. You know, if you take away the names and the logos, it's very difficult to tell the companies apart. One of the schools, actually, in one of the colleges in Phoenix at the advertising conference actually did this. They took the sound from various ads and interchanged them on a competitor. And guess what? They fit. You can't tell the difference between them. They're all the same. You can't tell the companies apart. And if you're one of 10 companies that are competing in a market and you all look the same, then you're probably going to get 10% of the business. In other words, you'll probably go out of business and go out of business very quickly. When companies offer similar products and services, potential customers look for the companies that offer a difference that they will value. They want to know what it is that you do or what it is that you offer that makes your company the best one to address their needs. Me Too marketing, i.e. being the same as everybody else, will simply drive you out of business. You need a point of differentiation that helps you stand out above the competition and shout out to your potential customers, here's why we're the one for you, and then whack, differentiate yourself. Give them some reason to believe in you, to want to do business with you. So let's talk about three things that you can do just to start. Firstly, you've got to totally understand your competition. You've got to understand their marketing messages, where they're positioning themselves to the market segment. You know, in your office, you should have all of the marketing materials from your competitors, everything from their advertising to printouts of their websites, sales brochures, every single thing they put out, you should have. And only once you've got all this material, can you evaluate, whoops, can you evaluate your similarities and your differences. And if there isn't an obvious difference, you may need to totally overhaul the way you offer your product. Because if you're another me too, then the client's reaction is ho-hum, and you are instantly 
on your way to oblivion. Secondly, you need to take the customer's point of view. If you're going to be the fisherman, you've got to think like the fish. You've got to think like the fish. All of your competitors are out there thinking like fishermen. They don't know what the fish want, so think like a fish. And if you're going to make a choice between you and all your competitors, which one would you select? Pretend you're a customer. Look at all the offers. Which one would you pick? And you've got to be objective because it's natural to think you'd pick your own, but um, most people won't. You know, usually the primary deciding factor is the value proposition. That's the little bit extra that buying from you offers over what your competitors are offering. And that little bit extra can be tangible or intangible. For example, you know, kick-ass companies, customer service can add intangible value by giving customers peace of mind that after they purchase the product, their problems will be, if they have any, will be handled better than if they buy from one of your competitors. So you need to learn what it is that you can provide that they will value the most. This will take research from your target audience. Thirdly, in order to be effective, your core message contains a unique point of differentiation. And that must be communicated throughout all of your marketing campaign, your advertising and your sales support materials, through everything. Put it on your hat. Put it on the jacket that you wear. Put it on the door of the car. Put it on all the ads. Put it everywhere. Because it doesn't take long for it to sink in you get front of mind brand recall and that makes your job one hell of a lot easier. But before you do this, you have to do three things. The three most important things in advertising. The first of these is test. Then once you tested it, test it again. And the third most important thing uh, you guessed it, test. Now, once you're sure that your message is resonating with your potential customers, then expand this to all applications. Don't forget to maximize PR to sell your new message. It may take a little while, but I guarantee you that you will differentiate yourself from the pack and you will get front of mind recall. Years ago, my group worked with a shoe store that sold children's shoes. Now, how bloody boring is that, selling children's shoes? There are millions of stores that sell kids' shoes. And if you plan to compete on a level playing field, then you can't. You can't. So you really have to differentiate yourself because if you don't, 
Walmart and Target will undercut your price by probably 50% because of the fantastic purchasing power they have. So if you're going to try and do it alone without doing anything special, you'll lose. So we turned the Yellow Balloon Kids shoe shop into a giant playground with sandpit, buckets and spades and all sorts of other beach-type toys. The second step was to look at the one thing that's totally missing from Walmart and Target, customer service. Neither Walmart or Target know the meaning of the word customer service. You can never find anyone to help you, and if you can, they never know a single thing about the product that you're looking for. So we added fantastic service. We made balloon animals for the kids, the proprietor dressed up as a clown. We differentiated ourselves. We created a wow. It was a great experience. And the store did unbelievably well, despite the fact that its shoes were nearly double the price of Walmart and Target. Let's face it. Kids do not want to go and buy shoes in the first place. So if a kid has a choice, then they'll go where it's fun rather than be bored shitless at Walmart. So Yvonne, put your thinking cap on. Think like a fish, not the fisherman. Be a bit outrageous. Give your customers a wow experience and they'll come back. Not only that, they'll tell their friends. Within six months, you'll have a hell of a business. But if you run your business like an accountant and not like a creative director, I guarantee you will fail. You've got to be creative. Yvonne, I hope that helps answer your question. As we do for everyone whose email is read on air, tomorrow we will send you a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, my latest best-selling book from Wiley's. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're pleased to have been bringing you this show since 2011. It's a heap of fun each week. I love telling it the way it is. And I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world, to address the critical issues that affect small business everywhere. So thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Straight Talking Business Radio Show for Entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, This is the place to come every week at the same time. Tell your friends to listen. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.